the pandemic, social unrest, the state house, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, topetro.com. This portion of the program on this Thursday brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Now, remember, if you're ever in an accident this time of year, a lot of snow and ice, if someone damages your vehicle or something happens, it's your fault, whatever happens, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. If you're ever in an accident, four words, West Fountain Auto Body. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence, Call them first. They're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Repair your vehicle. Showroom-like condition. You can hear my voice. If you're ever in an accident, or maybe last night you know someone who was, family member, friend, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Thursday. COVID briefing coming up, 1 o'clock. We're going to bring it to you. Other story, though, I want to touch on. This is really amazing how the media completely gave her a free platform. Monday night, AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, who's now being called hashtag Alexandra Ocasio-Smollett, did this very dramatic video. She was crying. She called herself a survivor. She was on Instagram. She thought she was going to die in the Capitol building. She had to hide in the bathroom. She could hear bang, bang, bang. Where is she? She said it. Was, the building was filled with white supremacists. I'll just cut to the chase. They all aired on on Monday night. My goodness, she's so brave. The morning shows all ran it. It turns out she wasn't even in the building. AOC accused of exaggerating her near-death Capitol riot experience as revealed the office where she cowered was down the street, untouched. She is getting pummeled online, and she should be. This is someone, as I've said, she is immature. She is a drama queen. She has this huge platform. She she does not deserve it. She is a dangerous individual, though. Make no mistake about that. She described hiding in the bathroom of her office. She claims while the mob was storming, they were more than almost a half a mile away. Thought she was going to die on January 6th. She described saying there was a white man in a black beanie yelling, where is she? I thought I would never have children. I thought I would die. It turns out it was a Capitol police officer who had gone to get her to safety, but she didn't trust him. He was looking at her aggressively. Things weren't adding up. Maybe he was going to hand me a no. Ridiculous. No one near there. The Capitol cops that day were outnumbered by some 10,001. Of course, died after being hit in the head. She didn't know if the police were there to help her or harm her. Talk about exaggerating things. But the media completely went with this false story by AOC. You know, she got what she wanted out of it, which was she called herself a survivor. Are we to believe anything that she said that night, by the way? She also claimed, you know, I think you can make an argument. She's tearing up and crying. As Tucker Carlson said, the only subject she cares about is herself. There she is again. All she wants to talk about is herself and this drama queen narrative. You know, as far as the media, it doesn't even matter whether or not it was true. The only thing that mattered to them was this gripping video where she's a survivor. And I didn't know if I was going to live or die. She wasn't even in the building during her near-death experience. <laughs> kind of tells you everything you need to know. The media... Now, if this had been the other way around, if this had been a Republican, we all know what would have happened. It would have been nonstop. They'd still be going after the person. AFC accused of exaggerating her near-death experience. I am a survivor. I was hiding in the bathroom. I could hear them coming. to. No, there was no crowd coming toward you. You were basically almost a half a mile away. All fake. All made up. All drama. This whole story. The whole story that she has told, none of it true, you know, and she d deserves uh, the pushback that she's getting. 
People like this need to be exposed. She was immediately called out how brave she was. Well, there was another congressperson two doors down said there was no one that ever stormed the hallway. Squad leader on defense. You know, see, this is the thing, though. She she didn't know who else had been in the building, and it was Gulp, a Republican who was two doors down. So it's not like she would wander into the office of another Democrat and say, hey, were you here? I'm about to tell a story, and um, I want to make sure that no one else can, can uh, you know, dis- discount my story. So, but But she can't do that. So instead, she had to go on with this narrative that she was there. All right, we have a lot more ahead. Keep it tuned right here. This is the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11 and we go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Joining me, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, it is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, uh, let's start off right out of the box. Coming up on Monday, they're going to move ahead. The impeachment trial of President Trump. Um, the impeachment lawyers have laid out basically the foundation, what they plan to do. It, it seems like the president has settled on a strategy, which more people seem to be comfortable with. But I'd like to hear your your thoughts on all of this. Yes, the president has switched lawyers at the 11th hour, um, which I think took the media by by surprise and perhaps with a little bit of glee that there seemed to be such discord in the Trump camp as to how to proceed. The word that the media put out was that the president thought that his defense should center on pounding away at the election fraud issue. Um, 
that led his first uh, team of lawyers to head for the exits because clearly that's not a winning strategy. Um, the appropriate strategy, I believe, is to attack the process that the Democrats are using um, to conduct this impeachment trial. Certainly, as we've discussed somewhat in the past, issue one for anyone objecting to this process is the argument that uh, impeachment trials in the Senate are only to uh, remove from office the sitting president. Since Donald Trump was not the sitting president, then the trial is a nullity because there's no sitting president to be impeached. The left would say, well, we can't let someone get away with something late in their term and not have a trial. The Constitution, however, doesn't say those words. It's very brief and to the point. It allows for the president, sitting president to be removed from office if the Senate convicts the president for having committed high treason or other high crimes and misdemeanors. And if that's found, then they can have a second vote to disqualify said person from ever holding elective office again. The, the, the problems with this continue to multiply. The impeachment in the House, which is the basis upon which the Senate is conducting its trial, was based upon a one-count allegation. The impeachment hearing in the House allowed for no witnesses. It did not allow the president to put on a defense. The president was not allowed to have any due process rights. And as we've discussed in the past, this isn't a courtroom. The rules of evidence don't apply. It's a purely political theater. So when I say the president was denied his due process protections afforded him under the Constitution, those due process rights don't exist in the House of Representatives, and they don't exist in a trial before the Senate. The problems multiply. Not only is there a constitutional issue at the outset about whether this is a constitutional proceeding, as we've discussed, Chief Justice Roberts will not be sitting as the judge who conducts the Senate trial. He doesn't want to do it. Now, in that event, there's no provision in the Constitution for who is the default person to conduct the trial. The Constitution clearly says that a trial in the Senate, on, in a trial for impeachment of the president, is to be presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Yep. Not, or whoever the majority leader or thinks would be the appropriate person to run the show. Right. It, it's silent. So what does the left do now that Chuck Schumer's in charge? He says, I've got a great idea. Let's make Pat Leahy, the senior yeah. senator from Vermont. He'll run the show. He'll be huh. the judge. Not only was he a witness, not only is he a partisan, not only did he say that the president should be convicted, not only would he ostensibly vote on such a thing, now he's going to be the judge. I mean, again, there's no due process rights. This is the theater of, I don't even know what you want to call it, the theater of, but the rules are made up as um, the process goes along. This whole scenario makes me think back many of your listeners will remember the sportscaster warner wolf warner yes. wolf yep. who his famous tagline was change the rules so at any time he didn't like what was going on change the rules yep. and exactly that's exactly what's going on here it's being made up as we go along now let's assume john that this goes all the way through a trial we can assume, and it's not a real solid assumption, that there will not be two-thirds of the senators voting to convict, in which case President Trump would be acquitted at the conclusion of the Senate trial. Correct. One of the threshold issues is, will there be witnesses or not? 
Certainly, as we've been seeing develop, there are criminal charges being brought against many of the folks who um, breached the Capitol and carried on in the Capitol and did some really despicable things in the Capitol for which there is no defense. But they're being charged for conspiracy, for having set up um, going in in advance. There was a well-coordinated, premeditated intent to breach the Capitol, which would mean that the president didn't incite anyone to do anything. That was all pre-planned. And his words could not have incited what actually occurred. Um, The Trump team is also saying that Trump's got the right of free speech and free expression and his free speech in opining on what happened to him during the election, whether he was correct or whether he was incorrect. It's his right to have an opinion on what he thinks happened to him during the election. Right. He thereafter told his supporters to march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol to make their voices heard and to let the Senate know what they were thinking. That's that's not promoting an insurrection. However, let's assume President Trump gets away on this Senate trial with an acquittal. Well, that's not going to be the end of the story. The Senate can come back and vote to censure the president. Now, a censure is essentially a meaningless gesture. It's a slap on the wrist. If President Trump were to be censured, he'd shrug it off and probably wouldn't really give a hoot. But there's more that can happen. If that doesn't work, John, the the Democrats are talking about attempting to prevent the president from ever running for federal office in the future based upon certain provisions of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. The 14th Amendment was a post-Civil War amendment, which was intended to prevent against former uh, Confederate elected officials or Confederate military leaders from running for office, getting elected to office, and then taking acts which are sympathetic to the already defeated Confederacy. That's what its intent was. The language which is pertinent in the 14th Amendment is found at Section 3, which bars people who have taken an oath to support the U.S. Constitution from holding federal office in the future if that person has engaged engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States Constitution or has given aid to the enemies of the United States. I think it's a stretch to suggest that, the, that President Trump gave um, aid to enemies of the United States. Right. And I think it's a stretch to say that he engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States Constitution. It, it just doesn't hold water that that should stick. But the Democrats are pulling out all the stops and looking wherever they can look within the playbook to see what they can do to prevent the president from running for office again. I I guess they're um, still um, worried that if he were to run again, he might win. I guess he still has a fair amount of popular support up there, which is I guess eroding to a degree because of, you know, the negative media pounding that he continues to take. Um, You've got to listen carefully to the news coverage. And whether you think the president was the greatest or whether you think that President Trump was the worst, from a constitutional perspective, everyone should be worried about what's going on in the United States Senate with all the different machinations they're going through to try to prevent Donald Trump from for running for office again. That's right. if, you, if you hate Trump and you say, great, this is good, well, then good. Your side is winning on this particular argument, maybe. And maybe you're going to get the guy convicted. And maybe you're going to invoke the 14th Amendment. But the precedent that is being set by this course of conduct is dreadful. It's lowering the bar on what constitutes an impeachable offense. It lowers the bar 
on the entire process of impeachment. Look at what happened in the House. Articles of impeachment were drafted. They were announced. There was a vote. That's it. No prosecution case was put on. No defense was put on. If that's the new standard, even if you can't stand President Trump, you should be shaken to your core that this is the low to which our elected officials have gone to try to take out their political enemies. Mm-hmm. Because someday the shoe's going to be on the other foot. That's right. Right now, we're looking back to, I think, 1869, to the last uh, impeachment trial before the Senate of someone who had already left office, which was the former Secretary of War, whose name escapes me. But precedents that are set by these types of proceedings last. So we're looking back 150 years to see what we should be doing in this case. You have to believe that there's going to be another president elected who some portion of the electorate won't like or some portion of elected officials won't like. And they're going to say, hey, this is how we take this guy out or this is how we take this woman out. Here's the playbook. The standard is ridiculously low and it's, it's just bad governance. It's bad policy. It's setting a bad precedent. And the one thing that I just don't follow in terms of what the president and his legal team are doing, I don't know why they're not in court now trying to get some sort of restraining order or injunctive relief and getting this case into the courts for a determination as to whether or not it's constitutional to attempt to do what's playing out right now, to have a trial to attempt to convict a person who's no longer president. This case belongs ultimately in the United States Supreme Court. And by the way, I think that, you know, Chief Justice Roberts should have taken on a more active um, position here. Had Had he come out and said, I'm not going to preside over this case because this case is a nullity. I'm not going to preside over this case because you can't go after and try to convict a individual who's now a private citizen, who's no longer president. He didn't do anything. He just said, I'm not going to sit. So it leaves it an open question. If we had heard from the chief judge of the Supreme court of the United States, that might've had some effect on what the Senate's doing. And it might've had some influence on the media who's reporting this thing, you know, with, I don't know if they're always reporting it objectively or more as partisans, but if, if Roberts isn't going to speak, there's nothing to report. That's right. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more attorney, Tim Dodd, our legal expert right here on the John DePietro show. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Make Henry Oil, make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass., Call them today, 401-521-0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history, and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today. 401-521-0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, it's Henry Oil. Call them 401-521-0200 this winter. I'm asking you to switch 
to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health, 401-305-3585. You've seen her store. It's right in that old white church. It's My Health, because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, one understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus box herbs and teas. The service is the best plus hemp and CBD products, plus massage therapy, reflexology, Pilates. Folks, stop it and see her. It's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy in children's vitamins. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can call her at 401-305-3585. Stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, because remember, it's your health. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health. <clears throat> We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, let's keep the focus just for a moment on D.C. There's a report out today that they may be looking to charge some of the people that entered the Capitol on January 6th. They're looking at maybe using RICO statue. Uh, boy, that's that seems to be a real stretch because I, I still believe a lot of this was somewhat spontaneous but there were people that traveled there in groups um it's also i i just want to inject i mean all summer long we watched all these protests and they were obviously i covered some of the local ones highly organized i think this they should be careful with how they want to do these charges that you had people that organized these protests they'd get the bail money ahead of time seemed pretty orchestrated but what can you tell us about maybe using rico charges against some of the capital protesters well john as we've discussed, you know, I think a question was raised at one point, you know, the, the, the authorities kind of went easy over the summer on the uh, protesters in the various uh, cities around the country, in Minneapolis, out in um, Portland, Oregon, uh, in Seattle, and elsewhere. Um, there were rioters who were looting and burning and committing arson and stealing thousands and tens of thousand dollars of um, jewelry, et cetera, from stores and basically burning city blocks to the ground. And in those cases, not a whole heck of a lot was happening in terms of prosecuting the participants in those riots. Those who are carrying on um, from the right or from the perspective that maybe they're Trump supporters, they are going to be treated much differently, especially now with the Biden administration running the show. Yep. It's pedal to the metal. They're going to go after all of these folks as zealously as they can to shut them down and to make sure that anyone who's thinking about coming out verbally uh, through a protest or through anything else, through a march, through any sort of demonstration is going to think twice because the word is out there uh, by the acts of the federal government that this will not be tolerated and we're going to crush you. Now, does the RICO statute have a proper application in this case or in these cases? As most of your listeners know, the RICO Act was established largely in an effort to go after organized crime figures. 
It's been around since the early 70s. It stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. So it was targeted at the mafia, so-called. Um, does it apply here? The racketeering, which might ring the bell for a RICO charge, is racketeering activity which is designed in its purpose is to obstruct official governmental proceedings and that that obstruction follows a pattern of a criminal enterprise. So if you can satisfy those um, factual elements, then there could be a RICO prosecution. And as we know, RICO prosecutions um, typically carry with them uh, amongst the stiffest penalties allowed in the federal yeah. system. So the folks who are involved in this could be looking at, could be looking at a RICO prosecution and I'll bet wow. you, again, based on who's now running the Justice Department, that they're going to pull out every stop to see if they can make a RICO prosecution stick. The mm. trick with these cases is most of the, not most, some of the defendants um, who are being charged are saying, what I did was spontaneous. The president talked me right. into doing it. His words... Yeah put me over the edge. And before I knew it, I was in the Capitol. It's not my fault. It's the president's fault. The president is taking the position. My words didn't make this all go down. Most of this was pre-planned. So you got both sides pointing the finger at the other. Let's assume Mr. X from Rhode Island happened to go down to DC and participate in um, breaching the Capitol and going inside. Mr. X would not be a candidate for a RICO prosecution if he's just got caught up in the crowd and said, hey, this looks like a unique experience. I'm going in. Um, many times there's a herd mentality that sort of takes over and you're not thinking for yourself, but you're going along with the group. That person could be charged with trespass. They could be charged with assault if they got involved in any physical altercation. That would be about it. Um, the conspiracy end of this would really be for groups like the Oath Keepers or the Proud Boys or other organized yeah. elements who knew they were going in for weeks, if not months, before this actual event took place. And uh, the officer that shot and killed one of the protesters, Ashley Babbitt, it looks like will, will not be charged uh, with that. And that happened. Are, are you any surprised with that, Tim? Not really, John, based upon who's conducting the investigation. Yeah. This is being conducted in the first instance by the Capitol Police in conjunction with the Metro D.C. Police Department. There's so much we don't know here. And, and all of the inquiry and the outrage that was occurring over the summer regarding many of the police-involved shootings that occurred, um, that there was a public demand who is the cop that did the shooting? What were the circumstances? What are the ballistics? What does the autopsy show? And on and on and on. Those were all legitimate questions. The public was demanding to know yep. the answer. The media was demanding to know the answer. And in most cases, elected officials capitulated and released all the pertinent information. Here, I don't know. I'm a pretty, pretty uh, large consumer of news, be it print, be it, you know, televised, be it, you know, um, online things. You don't hear anything about this officer no. who shot Nothing. Ashley Babbitt. You don't hear yeah. anything. So what don't we know? What were the Capitol Police rules of engagement? Were there any rules of engagement? Was there any training regarding encountering protesters of the type that occurred um, um, after the election? What's the shoot first policy? Is there a first, shoot first yeah. policy? What did the forensics show? Was, was an autopsy done on Ashley Babbitt? What was the direction of the bullet? I mean, we've seen a very brief video of her approaching. Then you see an arm and you see a pistol and boom, she is shot. Uh, were there any witnesses? Are there any witness statements? 
Is there any, is there any other video footage? I have to believe there's more video footage than that one clip that showed up for about 24 yeah. hours on, on TV and then it disappeared. Right. Uh, what's the name of the officer? I mean, he's got an attorney who's making pronouncements that um, um, it was a clear and appropriate use of force, not even a close call. So we know the attorney by name, but we don't know the name of this cop by name. Why not? It seems to me that should be out in the public domain. Lastly, John, this is the type of case which to me, I don't care what the police investigation shows or doesn't show. This belongs before a grand jury. Let a grand jury with this would probably be before a federal grand jury and let the grand jurors make a decision whether there should be um, uh, an indictment or whether there should be no true bill. Would a grand jury agree with the assessment of this investigation, which is I think going to pronounce that there's no prosecutable conduct on the part of this officer. Maybe that's true. Um, I think that this case is going to simply um, right off into the sunset. The media is not going to talk no. about it. It's not going to gin up public um, concern for what's happened here. And I don't think you're going to hear much more about no. it, John. I don't think anything's going to happen, although rightly or wrongly, there should be a grand jury. And maybe the officer is correct, but all of those different things I just enumerated, like the, the shoot first sure. policy, you know, the training, yep. Um, all of that, we don't know anything. And I don't know of any reporter who's done any investigative look-see into what, what the rules are for the Capitol Police. It's like no right. one cares. We're going to take a quick break, uh, folks. A lot more attorney Tim Dodd, our legal expert, right here on the John DePietro Show. What's the point of having an appliance if it doesn't work properly or maybe you have problems with it? I'll tell you what you should do. As I like to say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Easy to remember, Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. I've used Ryan on several occasions, whether it's for your washing machine or maybe your dryer or the refrigerator, or your stove, or oven, or microwave, any appliance. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, 401-710-7096. I was having a problem with our, our clothes dryer. What would happen? It wouldn't turn on. No way they were going to dry the clothes. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair. He fixed that in about five minutes. Then the oven wouldn't heat up. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. He fixed, the, he fixed the, the oven in about five minutes. Folks, call them. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor. Senior citizens discounts are available and Saturday appointments are available. Come on, call Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. The heating season is here. Folks, you need to call JKL Engineering today. JKL 401-351-7600. Let JKL Engineering design and install a natural gas high-efficiency carrier Infinity System. The energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you think no gas, hey, guess what? No problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates of the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. J.K.L. is Cary Factory Authorized Dealer, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years... J.K.L.'s reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise, customer satisfaction. J.K.L. is an approved national grid 
BPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL, system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. They're licensed in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Call JKL Engineering right now, residential or commercial, at 401-351-7600. JKL, they'll do it right the first time. Now call them. You don't want to get stuck with an inefficient heating system. What if it starts to get really cold? Call JKL right now. Free quote, free estimate. Estimates are free. Financing is available. 401 401- 351-7600, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. It's JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, last summer, there was a high-profile incident in the town of Barrington. Two neighbors, and some language uh, was used, racial slur, and apparently now, one of the uh, neighbors happened to be, I, I believe, a retired doctor. He he was found guilty um, with uh, assaulting his neighbor, but it it fell short of initially they were exploring maybe a hate crime. And that seems to be uh, when this happened because of some of the language that was used. But it, it, it sounds like it's it's a little more of a complicated uh, reach to get to classify this as as a hate crime. Yes, um, this was a typical dispute between neighbors. This was a boundary dispute. Um, one neighbor, I think, was a retired yeah. dentist. The other neighbor is um, a person with ancestry from the country of India. And I guess the guy from India uh, was subject to a lot of arguments regarding boundary lines from the retired dentist. The dentist would allegedly engage in a variety of ethnic and slash or racial slurs directed against this gentleman of Indian extraction. Um, Apparently, and I haven't seen it, there's video of some of these altercations and in at least one of them, I believe the dentist is alleged to have assaulted the guy from India. So there's a trial that's conducted in the district court. Uh, The trial judge finds the uh, retired dentist to be guilty on the charge of assault but pronounces that he finds the evidence insufficient to support the enhanced penalties, which would be associated with a finding that this was a hate crime. Hate crimes can be um, established by both actions or words. Um, The prosecution, um, somewhat surprisingly, asked the judge for time to supplement post-trial Um, its request that the judge determine this to be a hate crime and the judge granted that request. Mm. So although the judge ruled, the prosecution said, can we have a little more time to bring in more evidence about this hate crime element? And the judge apparently allowed it. If I was defense counsel, I'd be screaming up and down saying this case is over. The evidence is closed. Um, In certain types of cases, John, such as if there's um, a murder with the possibility of the death penalty, it's a two-phase trial. Phase one would be, is the guy guilty or man or woman guilty of the uh, first-degree murder? Then the jury would hear a second phase on the penalty phase, whether or not the guy should get life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or whether he should be executed. Um, I'm not aware that this type of case has that two stage, um, two stages of the trial. The judge found this, the evidence was insufficient to support a hate crime. He's going to let the prosecution supplement. That will clearly be an appellate issue. Let's assume that after the AG brings in more evidence, the judge says, oh, you're right. This was a hate crime. The defense will have a wonderful argument on appeal to say, wait a minute. This case concluded and the judge ruled. 
Um, so that will be real interesting to see how this plays oh. out. Um, it's, it's an embarrassing case in many ways that these types of um, neighborhood or neighbor disputes, direct yeah. neighbors disputes boil over. We've seen people shoot at each other over hedges. We've seen people get into brawls over who cuts the grass where and you trim your trees yeah. too much. It's, um, it's a thing that happens more than we realize these neighbor, neighbor battles, neighbor against neighbor. Um, and certainly this um, hate crime, uh, racial slur type thing uh, brings it to a different level, which it's unfortunate we even see in today's day. Folks, we speak with our legal analyst attorney, Tim Todd. Tim, what about this story? The state senator, because of COVID, the Rhode Island State Senate, the meeting at Rhode Island College, and this newly elected state senator, Tiara Mack, she's up there. Uh, she apparently got in a car accident. And then as the police are, you know, everybody license and registration, both parties. She's got a South Carolina license. The car is not registered, has Rhode Island plates. And granted, it's a not a town media, but they're trying to make an argument that, you know, that technically maybe she's not wasn't legally elected. Now, I mean, I think that seems a little bit of a stretch uh, as far as the residency situation, but it at the very least raises some questions about why do you have a South Carolina license if you are living in Rhode Island, elected in Rhode Island, and driving around with an unregistered car? This is a very, it's a very odd story. Um, I I did read the um, article that talks about uh, this newly elected senator and the potential residency issue that she has. At first blush, I would say, I don't know if the facts contained in the story are true or false. Um, I don't know how well the story was vetted. What we do know, allegedly, and this is all allegedly, you, you've got it right, the, this um, Senator Tiara Mack gets in a car accident, the police come to the scene, she produces, I believe, a South Carolina driver's license. She's driving an unregistered vehicle with a Rhode Island plate, but it's not the right plate for the vehicle. And um, there are two issues that that brings up. Under Rhode Island law, it's um, Title 17, Chapter 14, which is uh, the election law statute. Um, some of the requirements to run for office one is that the candidate is required to be a qualified voter. The story that I read and that you read suggests that um, Tiara Mack was not registered to vote. Mm. So if she's not a qualified voter, there might be an issue. Also, uh, to be a qualified voter, you've got to be a resident of the state of Rhode Island. Now, Looking at a, I haven't seen her um, um, application to declare her candidacy, but if you go online, you can easily look at a blank uh, form. It's just a form that you fill in if you want to run for uh, state or local office. And amongst the questions, it says length of residency in the state of Rhode Island. And there's a blank. Next question, length of residency in your city or town. Now, my understanding is if the story that we all read was true, that when it says length of residency in Rhode Island, she writes in about 16 years. Now, the form does not ask that you produce a driver's license. It does not ask that you produce a um, voter registration card or anything of the like. So when she fills that in and it's accepted at her local um, uh, city hall, with the board of canvassers, they look at that and they don't see anything unusual. Um, I don't think that her opponent in the election could have necessarily gotten this information, but for this um, auto accident, which forced her to produce her um, South Carolina driver's license. Um, So what are the ramifications? Um, did she fraudulently, allegedly, fraudulently fill out her um, application to run for office? If it could be proved that she knowingly provided fraudulent information, 
Would there be a possibility of some prosecution? Oh. Maybe. But again, the the application right. is so vague and the requirement to produce any corroborating documentation being non-existent, um, it's very arguable that she oh. didn't commit any sort of fraud, that right. she just answered the questions without maybe not even knowing that something sure. further was required. So let's assume that there's a further drilling down into this and it was determined that she was never eligible to run for office in the first place. I believe it's too late to challenge anything vis-a-vis -vis the Board of Elections. Um, it would be up to the Senate if it was so inclined. Uh, they would have to move to expel her, much like they were if you recall a couple of years ago, the Senate was hot to trot. They were going yes. to expel Nick Kettle before yeah. he ultimately resigned. Yes. Just on an allegation, just yeah. upon being charged with a crime, no. not being convicted of anything. The, the Senate, they were, they were yeah. dead set and, on and expelling And Rep. Carnivali ran into trouble. No, it, he was, it, claimed he lived in Providence, but then it proved he actually, I think, lived in Johnston. So the residency thing can be an issue. Um, yeah. It can be. I, I, don't, I don't see that there's yeah. going to be, I don't think there's going to be much of no. an appetite within no. the Senate to go after no. this newly elected senator. Uh, she brings a particular set of political beliefs with her, and I don't think the leadership is going to have any appetite to challenge her and to risk the negative publicity that that would bring about. But it might be a lesson for future candidates to scour the paperwork yes. filed by their yeah. opponents in the future, because this was there for the, for the looking, I guess, if you were smart enough to look or to yep. ask follow-up questions, you know, her opponent might've been able to knock her out before the election even occurred. 2010, it's General very... Treasurer Gina Raimondo, she, uh, they were able to find out that Kerry King, her opponent had a Florida license. So, that's exactly That's right. right. I forgot about that. Folks, That's he is our uh, legal analyst, one. attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job. Stay safe, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. You too. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006 and also 24 7 emergency service available call yankee tree service today 439-6028 439-6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps Yankee Tree Service, they provide stump grinding. Enjoy your landscape without the eyesore. As far as pruning, well, let them get up there. Oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down. At Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com.